Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. If you've been away, if you have just been listening to Catherine Legg and Sheena Monk, hope you enjoyed that. There'll be more coming up in just a moment or two's time when we head down the pit lane with Shea Adam, who joins me, John Hindhoff, here in the Haggerty Global Broadcast booth. Shea in the pit lane. Beautiful afternoon. Sun just starting to head for the horizon as it's a quarter past Four in the afternoon, 22 degrees in the air, 35 on the track, or if you prefer, 95 uh, on the track and 72 Fahrenheit in the air. Let's head down to Shea Adam immediately, who is presiding over a pretty full pit lane. There are one or two gaps, Shea, but they're few and far between. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. You might have to tell me where the gaps are, because from my perspective, it's basically a solid line of race cars. Here's the interesting thing, though. I came all the way down to pit out. I am standing now in the penalty box or what will be the penalty box for the uh rolex 24 hours a day tone the 61st edition I, you. I can see you yeah yeah i'm not here because i'm in trouble though by Are the way sure? yeah rich richard's not running a clock on me he's just holding the pit close flight button not the stopwatch um but the interesting thing there's nobody directly across from me. There's nobody waiting in the transition lane to go out on track. The start of this session is going to be for GTD, LMP3, and LMP2 cars only for the first 15 minutes. But that doesn't mean that people have to start from their pit boxes. Uh-huh. They can start wherever they want. They can go to the transition lane and then have the advantage got on track. Nobody elected to do that. Now the green flag is out and waving. The first car out was the car that actually caused the red flag earlier on. That's the number 17 AWA LMP3 car. There's a slew of p3 cars and i see one mercedes that would be the 32 that has snuck in that line as well now this used to be regulated to driver ratings but a couple years ago they changed that it can be any driver it's only the class of cars that has to go out so what does that mean on the flip side the last 15 minutes of this session are going to be for gtd pro and gtp cars only share adam all the way at pitch out as we get this uh, one hour, 45 minutes session underway. But as you heard Cher mention, this is that split session that Jeremy and I always let Cher describe. Basically, everybody gets... The basics of this, Cher, is everybody gets an hour and a half, isn't it? That's how it works? That's exactly the thinking. And the reason that they do it with 15 minutes of clear track on either side is for either car category, because when you do it this way, The last 15 minutes could, in effect, be a qualifying sim for the pro cars. Well, the first 15 minutes, you could send out your less qualified drivers, i.e. your bronzes, your silvers, to get some time on track where they don't need to worry about being passed by cars that are going to be so much faster than them or cars that are nearly identical, but the drivers are so much more capable. 
So Shea Adam down in the pit lane. We'll hear more from her. What we'll do in this session is grab as many drivers as we can. As you heard, Shea's starting a pit out. She'll work her way back down along the pit lane. I'll keep an eye on times and what's going on out on the circuits. The brand new for 2023. Updated, streamlined and digitized. Haggerty Global Broadcast said there with um, more buttons than someone who makes buttons. Say, I hadn't thought about that when I started that, had I? The extra screens and uh, a lot more technology, side by side action coming off the tri oval and into the tri oval, should I say, with two of the P2 cars. I'll keep an eye on that. Let's head down to what should have been um, a family affair. Jan Magnussen here, Kevin not after uh, a little bit of surgery, share. And uh, let's, let's hear from Papa. Well, Jan Magnuson, Daytona is a place that you belong. And IMSA is a series in which you belong. So when you got the opportunity, the call-up, to come back and do this race with MDK Motorsports, how easy was it to say yes? That was very easy. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for uh, MDK and Mark Kwame that, uh, to give me this opportunity to come back for the endurance races. So uh, originally I was supposed to have done this with Kevin, but unfortunately he had some hand surgery. He needed to get done before the F1 season started. So, uh, so he won't be here, unfortunately, maybe next year. But uh, I'm so, so glad to be back. It was fantastic walking into the paddock yesterday and it's been three years since I was here last. So great feelings, great memories. Uh, can't wait to, to get going and, and see where we are. You mentioned Kevin, how's he doing? He's doing fine. It's just that the uh, the rehabilitation period is a month. So if he had waited, if he had come here and done the race and then had the operation, uh, likely he wouldn't have been ready for beginning of, uh, of testing for the F1 season. So he couldn't risk that. I get it. I mean, he likes playing with his old man, but not that much. He still has time to make up for that. Now, speaking on that front, some of my favorite memories were with you were when Kevin was racing in F1 and you were trying to pay attention to that while still winning with Corvette Racing. How much easier is it for you now that you can go to almost all of his races? Yeah, so I don't, I go to maybe four or five races a year. That's it. Um, I go to the, I go to all the cool ones. <laughs> so, but uh, to be honest, you know, it's, it's great being there. It's great for the atmosphere, but I'm well, I'm so much better informed, you know, back home on the couch with all the information. And so when you're there, it's cool for the atmosphere and all that. But uh, I was like, I get super nervous. I want to be by myself. I don't want to be surrounded by people. So. I understand that feeling completely. Now, you come into Daytona with MDK. Yes, they're a new team, but they're a very well-established organization. And they're such a cool group of people to hang out with. Does that make the experience even more enjoyable? Absolutely. Of coming here, I've, so I've been here for, for a long time, come here many times, but uh, coming here with MDK, a group of people like this, it's, uh, it's kind of a new team, but they, they seem to know what they're doing. Uh, it's a, a great push to be competitive, which is super nice. We have a, a new car, a new Porsche here that everybody's trying to, to learn about and, and get to know. So it's a steep learning curve this weekend, but the atmosphere is great. Everybody's working well together, moving forward the whole time. So uh, I'm looking forward to having a good race. Hopefully we can have a, you know uneventful, clean race. But uh, I'm just so, so happy to be back.
We're happy to have you back, John. You belong in this paddock. It's good to see you. Good luck next weekend. Thank you very much. So share Adam with Jan Magnuson there. Good news that uh, Kevin is okay. All about the timing for that. And we mentioned about the team going down to Bathurst for the 12 hours. And I'd like to say that Shea and I will be part of a very talented team. Reigning Bathurst 1,000 winner and five-time 12-hour starter Garth Tander and Richard Creel joining me in the, bo in the booth. Chad, Chad Nealon and Mark Moretta down in the lane with Eve. With Shay. Shay. With Shay. With Shay. Yeah. Chad, I was going to say, John, you could have introduced that so much better. You could have said, yeah, five Bathers, 1,000 wins between the commentary team. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, you could have you could have built us up a little bit there. That would have been fun. Um, good good, good news for Porsche fans all around the world. The Volt Racing Porsche has just come back into the pit lane. It's Trent Hinman behind the wheel as they did tires, and now they are doing a little bit of fuel, and then Trent is going to go back out. So in the early sessions, we saw a couple of the GTD Porsches, the new ones, with some issues, but now it seems as though those issues haven't solved because I see only the Volt Racing Porsche on the pit lane as far as the uh, – amateur cars go if you will the gtd normal cars as opposed to the gtd pros fastest at the moment is uh, mathieu vaxvier for af corsa in their orica lmp2 fine john i'm just gonna take it back for a quick moment because i have walked down to gradient racing and i see some uh, very interested spectators who normally get to drive race cars so i'm gonna Hop in here and see if I can't have a chat with uh, one of our favorites, Mark Miller, because Mark has the headset on. Are you uh, busy right now, Mark? No. All right. So I need to ask, because the last time you drove this car, it was to a podium finish at the Long Beach Grand Prix. How similar does the Acura feel to the one that you drove, what, nine months ago? Well, obviously, the track is so very, very different. You know, um, you can see so much further ahead than... Uh, you know, just what you need out of the car. It feels very similar, right? I mean, this uh, this Acura NSX uh, Evo 22 has always been really a similar car to drive no matter where you go. And um, being a V6 twin turbo, smaller displacement, you really got to have commitment on the throttle and get the turbos spooled up early without losing that front grip that you need as well. So, it's pretty tricky around here with all the uh, horseshoes, like turns the international horseshoe, turns five and six, and transitioning from left back to right in the bus stop. You really need the car to point well, but um, when it doesn't, you know, you, you're in for a pretty long day. But, you know, this first session that we were able to really put some time in, and we'll work on it. Um, hopefully we have a, a pretty low-key next few days, and we can learn a lot and and figure out uh, getting everybody up to speed and it's been great we've all been gelling pretty well as a team it's definitely a new environment uh to to be in so it's always fun to be here at daytona though for you in particular gradient racing you've served so many different roles within the team last year driver 
and sitting up here on the box. Now you have to kind of take the driver perspective and put it ahead of the engineering and well, team managing kind of roles that you were doing last year. How difficult is it to switch back into that mode? I think I always have like that driver mentality, even when I'm on the box, which I think is very helpful sometimes, but it can be a detriment. You know, there's, there's always a, you're always pushing for that perspective of in the car and, and what the min, what the mindset's going to be and the things that you have to accomplish in the car and how we can support that role from the box. So I can tell you this, Shay, as you know, you've known me in years, there's much, nothing more that I would rather be doing than being in the car during this race. So I'm very, very happy to have the opportunity and I'm going to make the best of it. You have a lot of experience in this race at this point. So does Mario. So does Kat. Been on the podium for them before. And now bringing Sheena into this environment. But you're no stranger to bringing rookies to IMSA and Daytona to this place. To the podium. To the podium as well in various championships. So what is it that you can explain to people about this race that is so intriguing you keep bringing people back? Well, I mean, obviously you have to have a very team-oriented mindset and you have to have a very results-oriented mindset for not the race, but the entire week leading up to the race. Um, I can I can really honestly say between Mario, Kat, myself, and especially Andres, you know, Sheena's in a really good environment as far as being having supportive people around her. And, you know, she's, she's already impressed us. She's doing a great job. I think the key element is for us to all have that mindset, a very unselfish approach to it, and, and, and really take care of the car the best we can for the entire week uh, while learning as much as we can about it. So um, I feel pretty good about everything so far. We didn't get a full session last time. We had a couple little teething pains that we had to sort out, some, you know, just a, weird things that happened that we need to sort out. But everything seems to be going well now. Um, all the other drivers are going to cycle in. I hope to be able to maybe um, jump in the car at the end. And, of course, it'll go red flag right away because that's my MO. Of is, course. Is to get the least number of laps possible before the race. And, um, yeah, no, everything seems to be going fine now, so I'm pretty happy. How much more is there for this team to learn about this car after three seasons with it? Yeah, that's a really good question. It doesn't mean that we stop trying. So, we're always trying to make improvements on what we can do. And, you know, Daytona always has, like, a different balance of performance than the other tracks. So, you know, we've got to make the best of whatever we can and, and try to put everything we can out there so we have the best shot. If we, if we need to make adjustments, we know what direction we need to go in. And, and also, it's nice to know by the, by the start of the race or by qualifying time is you have to know where your car is strong and where it's not and lean on all of the attributes and the, the things they can do where it's strong. Sometimes you're not, like last year, we didn't have a car on paper that was really blistering fast, but over the course of the entire stint, fuel stint, it was really strong. And it, it got us well into the top three quite a, quite a bit, and we can kind of hang there out front. Will it fight for the win? We don't know. We, that's what we want. We want a car that we can fight for the win. Um, but if it's a car that we're fighting for the podium for 24 hours, that's what you got, so you got to run it.
I will say your car was blisteringly fast at Petit Le Mans, having two drivers with fastest times out of the top three of the category. How much of that translates over to Daytona? Zero, because it's a completely different uh, BOP, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, we really liked we really liked Atlanta. We had a good car. Again, on the, the outright on the outright pace on a light fuel load with new tires, it wasn't the fastest car. But once the front tires got warm and we could get time in it, you know, we may not have had the like the peak lap, but the average laps were so strong and it was good in the right spots. Here, you need to be good from turn six to the bus stop and off of the bus stop, and we're not quite there yet, and we have, weren't quite there last year. So, But we had a, a great car through the infield, and you can be in any pack and be strong that way, but you can't really pass people left and right. And so we used a lot of strategy and a lot of things to get track precision, and we ran up front quite a bit. But um, what we really need is just a flawless 23 hours and 59 minutes, and, um, and then kind of let things happen the last last lap for 24 hours and one minute thanks Mark. good luck i'll take that too share adam in the pit lane with mark miller the fabulous sounds of multiple race cars out on the circuit around about 10 cars in the pit lane Still just under an hour and a half to go. Shadows beginning to lengthen across the tri-oval as the sun is uh, falling gently. At just before 7 o'clock is sunset on race weekend. And it comes up just after 7 o'clock in the in the morning okay. we've got exactly the same amount of darkness hours as we had in Dubai down to the minute to look at my piece of paper but I think it was 13 hours so actually I must be an hour off there but uh, 13 hours and 16 minutes or something like that I'll check that up. Just a slight difference in the dates have pulled them together. It's always one way or the other by a minute or two. I tell you, that makes it a very long night in, indeed for the drivers. Although it's it's not dark here. Let's be let's be absolutely honest. The lighting here, the Merkel lighting, is absolutely stunning. And that does ease things just a little bit. Right, let's run down some times for you. Still the LMP2s at the top. PR1 in the number 52 with the number 52 car from AF Corsa with the 88 from Aero Motorsport with the 18 and they're within a second of each other then high class racing in the number 20 Pietro Fittipaldi is behind the wheel of the 51 now he's about 1.4 seconds away Francois Hérault TDS Racing in 6th George Kurtz CrowdStrike Racing 
in the 0-4. And he's still under two seconds away. Ten laps done by the majority of cars. LMP3, the 74, which was quick earlier on this morning. The Riley of Felipe Farga. Riley ended car. Salisi, of course. Andretti Autosport, Gabby Chavez is in second. And as I yes, that's this. That's the 36 car. Then Nick Bull. In Fast MD and in GTD, it's Fabian Schiller for Sun Energy One. The 61st entry, number 71 car, is at the top, and we're waiting for the GTP cars to work their way through the field. As Sheer Adam is down, Sheer Adam is down the pit lane. I tried to make your name all one word there. <laughs> well, I just came down to the Riley pit boxes, and uh, it does feel like all one word because there's an LMP3 car and then the two GTDs, but Gar Robinson. It is still Bill Riley, who is over your LMP3 program. Two consecutive Rolex 24 wins. Does this car feel like another winner? I mean, it's looking really good. Uh, we put, uh, we've put we been putting in a lot of work and effort in at the shop. Uh, we had a lot of uh, a lot of reflecting to do after uh, after Atlanta, which only feels like yesterday, really. Like, where, where did the holidays go? Like, it went by so fast. But, uh, no, I mean, it just... I mean, we all know how Bill does it. Uh, and seeing the seeing the two uh, the joint effort with the Kelly Moss guys, it's a uh, it's not a bad sandwich to be the middle of. But no, we're we're excited for the year, and uh, I think I think we have a really good uh, our driver lineup's really good, and uh, we're we're all just thrilled to be here and uh, excited to see what this year uh, this year brings. You've got Felipe back with you again, but you picked up Josh Burden. Did you ask him to come join the driving squad just because he's a fun guy? He's just a fun guy. I mean, it, it, it. When you do, I mean, when you build a team, you all have to work together, and you all have to be around each other for the whole year. And uh, Josh really just fit the fit the. Uh, I think he fit the, the the style of our team, and I think it it really uh, it really was a good fit. And then uh, Glenn, being uh, Kai's brother and stuff, it was like just pick one out, put one in. I mean, obviously we love having we loved having Kai, but uh, we love having uh, uh, well we love having have had both the, the Van Berlo brothers with us. So uh, I think the driver lineup looks really great. And uh, um, I think we're the most excited about it that we've ever been. What part of this week, having now won the race twice, do you look forward to the most? We, uh, the end of next Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Is it getting the watch or drinking the champagne? I'm not saying anything yet. Well, Gar, good luck to you again, and good luck in qualifying because that'll be up on Sunday. That'll be fun. Thanks, Shay. Shay Adam down there in the pit lane. Car's still circulating here. One hour, 22 and a half minutes still to go. Slow car out on the circuit. It's one of the 963s. Uh, looks like all air in the tyres. And where's that on the track? Just heading, well, staying very, very low as it goes through turn. Uh, speedway turn seven, staying uh, very, very low underneath the line. It's, I think it's the six car, uh, listed as the 60 on race control. But I have a feeling that it is the 960. Is it looked red and white rather than the? No, no, I tell a lie. Oh, that's 
the light playing tricks with my eyes. And the back of that Maya Shank Acura ARX06. It is the ARX06 of uh, Maya Shank Racing. Now that car's not long since been out of the pits. And the 60 was the quickest car this morning. Also crawling into the pit lane, the plaid Porsche of Faf Motorsport. Now that is coming into the pit lane now. Tom Blonkfist has just taken the number 60 out and the number 9 Porsche coming into the pit lane that is getting some fuel uh, it's gone to its box so d so in has come the number 9 and it is definitely the Acura that is going slowly, Tom Blonkvist so has there been a coming together between Porsche and Acura. As we wait to see if there's any damage to the number nine Porsche. Have they just run that out of fuel? They surely haven't. They've filled it on the put lane. Shit, it's the 60. It's the 60 plus the Porsche. And still waiting to see what the Faf guys do with that number nine car which cruised into the pit lane huge amount of pit lane warnings actually one including the high class they are going to get a drive through because uh, there were six clicks over I'll not bore you with the ones who have had warnings oh, Frankie Castellacci alright there you go told you that one car 21 and the other one was the Winwood car here comes the Acura, it's on the apron coming out of Speedway Turn 4 and moving very slowly indeed one thing that's interesting about that it's not that easy to see the headlights on that car in fact I don't think it's got the headlights on, it's only got the marker light shit, Adam is down at MSR yeah, you're correct, John. It came into the pit box. There was zero headlight activity going on. Uh, the awkward thing is that if there was contact between the fast Porsche and the 60 Meyer Shank Racing Acura, they are pitted next to each other. So not even, what, three feet separates those two cars as they sit in their boxes. I'm checking the Acura for any damage. It doesn't look like there's nose damage. That would have explained maybe why the, the headlamps had become dislodged and stopped illuminating. But no, that's not it. No damage around the right side, no damage around the back, no damage to the left side. No, this thing looks fine. So they did plug the computer in first off to try and make sure that everything is okay. As far as the FAF Porsche is concerned, that came back into the box. Again, they plugged it in, added fuel, changed the tires, and it's still Lawrence Vantor behind the wheel. That car is about to go back out too. Thank you, Chair. Chair Adam down on the pit lane so I'll continue with the rundown of the times where did I get to I think I was doing LMP2s wasn't I um, LMP3 Gabby Chavez Andretti Autosport 36 from Felipe Fraga the Riley Fast MD in fourth as uh, the Duquesne so Alicia Alicia Duquesne and in GTT, Fabian Schiller, Sun Energy 1, we mentioned that. Then Lexus from Parker Thompson, 
newly minted driver. Newly minted Lexus driver. And in third place, Nicky Team for Magnus Aston. Lucas Auer being picked up by Winwood Racing. He's circulating in there, Mercedes at the moment. And GTD Pro, um, have they started to go out yet? Yes, they're just cycling out now. Jack Hawksworth for Lexus in 14th position is the best of them. He's got four GTDs ahead of him. Second is the number 23, Alex Riveras. That's Heart of Racing, and that is Heart of Racing. Daniel Juncotella for Mercedes number 79 is in third but the GTDs with their quicker drivers no reason at all why they shouldn't be the same speed or quicker and that's the case there now let's uh, nip down to Shear who in the same sort of area in the pit lane had two wounded Warriors coming in there. Faf number nine Porsche, the GDT 992 GT3R, and the MSR Acura ARX06 GTD. Shea, what's the what's the news? The Acura was trolling slowly around the track because the pit lane speed limiter was stuck on. The Faf Porsche got very lucky, did run out of fuel coming into the pit lane. The team is not getting any sort of fuel data information when it is filling up, so they don't know how much fuel is going into the car. Therefore, they don't know when it is going to run out. Uh, that's a bit of an issue, isn't it? Minor detail. I mean, they can look at how much fuel that they dump in, assuming that the uh, meter actually starts to read correctly, but they know that if they plug the fuel hose in for 40 seconds, it should be good for, well, 50 minutes, with Lawrence Vantor out there behind the wheel, though, and the guy who loves doing burnouts as he leaves the pit box. That might be shortened a little bit. Yeah, that... Well, okay... It's not a race, so let, let's make that point immediately. It is not a race, so uh, that is not so much of an issue for the guys, but they'll want to get that fixed. Um, a few people still needing to dial in their pit lane speed limiter. The uh, latest... <laughs> I said there was a couple of warnings. Um, Andretti Autosport and the 36 LMP3... And the 87 Fast MD Racing decay. Now they're going to get. A, they're both going to get a drive-through because they've had warnings. Uh, but plus nine for the Fast MD car. Well, if you're going to blow the pit lane speed limit, Nick Bull, on your way out the pit lane, which is exactly what he's just done, and it was Gabby Chavez also going out the pit lane, um, but only by one click. They'll have to come back through pit lane. Now, but I can explain you? this, John, because the pit lane speed limit is not at the end of the ah. pit lane, if you will. It is all the way around, basically going into turn three. Yeah. That's where the Michelin RFID reader is. That's where the pit lane speed limit ends. And so if you duck down behind the white line, trying to take a slightly different line out of the pit lane, you're going to register a faster time exiting the pits. Therefore, it assumed that you were speeding. Ah. It's the, it's the same place it was last year, though, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yep, but that doesn't mean the drivers remember. They have very short memories, John. They're a bit like goldfish, some of them. Stop it. No, they're fine remembering 
the race tracks, it's the details, you know, like what shirt you have to wear and stuff like that. They are built to drive racing cars. It's a very specific task. The three Cadillacs, by the way, um, in distinctively different colours. Thank you very much indeed. Wheel and engineering, black, white and red, of course. And the two Chip Ganassi cars, one is a Bumblebee, which is bright yellow at the front, fading into the dark grey. And the other one is a beautiful shade of blue. These Cadillac VLMDHs, as they are called. Uh, and at the moment, second place for Earl Bamber in the 0-2, behind Philippe Albuquerque, he's just bit it. Now, the 0-1 is the one with the yellow. The 0-2 is the one with the blue front. And the 31, which has Alex Sims, Alexander Sims, behind the wheel. Uh, he has the standard wheel and engineering what we have it's become a bit of an iconic livery to be quite honest great sounds coming from just underneath my feet as the cars come across the pit lane uh, come across the start finish line excuse me this is the last session of the day still an hour and 15 minutes to go if you are just joining us on 107.9 around the circuit at IMSA Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us, please. Please do, wherever you are in the world. What is it? Just coming up to 10 o'clock at night in the UK. Still a very tw pleasant 21 Celsius in the air, 32 on the track, which is 88 on the track and 70 Fahrenheit in the air. Getting humid at this time of the evening, up a couple of... 60% now as the shadows stretch across into the pit out part of pit lane also turn 1 and 2 are in shade uh, NASCAR turn 1 and 2 I should say turn 1 into turn 2 has got a bit of shade well, this is the time of day when the track temperatures at different parts of the circuit will be distinctly different spin and a contact I think down at the international Horseshoe, it's the bright yellow number 85 prototype that is facing the wrong direction. And I just caught a little bit of side-by-side -side action there as I was looking across the track. So the JDC Miller Motorsports car is the one that's gone around, but I think there was a GT car involved in that as well and the JDC car is the decane of Till Bechtelsheimer and he's used to driving bright yellow small prototypes he's got a very lovely Chevron B8 the JCB car the only 2 litre BMW engine Chevron that ever ran at Le Mans he's raced that with some alacrity now, did he jump or was he pushed? Looking at the right-hand side of the car, it looks intact. The engine's still running. That big V8 behind Till. He's half on the track, half off. Uh, drivers, I'm afraid, not at all respecting the waved yellows there. Really not good stuff. Side-by-side side with the right Porsche and another prototype as they came into that area and there's barely room for two cars there and they've now all passed him at least once and they're still charging 
into that area as Till pulls across the grass and takes the motorcycle cut out. Uh, that would have been pretty hairy for Till, watching all those cars coming towards him, including some side-by-side. -side. I have a suspicion that one or two drivers might be called to race control about that. It is the first competitive outing of the year, but really, that was not smart driving by a number of drivers. Disappointed with that, if I'm honest. In what is, remember, a practice session. Session two for the WeatherTech cars. Tilt's getting back up to speed. I mean, it's it's not free practice in race week. This is session two of effectively a, an extended pre-season test, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yes, you're setting up for qualifying on Sunday. Side by side into the Le Mans chicane and Josh Pearson takes uh, George Kurtz in two LMP2 cars. Brendan Hartley, the affable Kiwi, goes out in the number 10 Acura. That is the Konica Minolta, Wayne Taylor, Andretti Autosport car. How about that for an alliance of giants in American motorsport? Pick up that news in the last few weeks. Other drivers include Earl Bamba behind the wheel of the number two Cadillac VM LMDH. Scott Dixon's just pitted in the number zero one. Marco Wittmann behind the wheel of the better of the two BMW M hybrids, which thankfully are in 24 and 25 number order. It's Sheldon von der Linde in the 25. Matt Campbell's just pitted the Porsche 963 number seven. Alex Sims in seventh now in the 31. Whelan engineering Cadillac and Tom Blomqvist in that number 60 is back out again so quick fix for the sticky pit lane speed limiter in fact he goes up onto the high banks and around the outside of one of the LMP3 cars in LMP2 Renus Vick here is behind the wheel of the quickest car for now in that session that's TDS Racing's number 11 it's Mathieu Vaxvier just going out again in the AF course of number 88 PR1 and the 52 as Paul Loup Chatan Era has Dwight Merriman in the blue number 18. High class in the red and white number 20 is Ed Jones. Rick Ware's got Eric Lux behind the wheel of the 61. He's in sixth. TDS has Josh Pearson just making that pass in the 35. And Scott McLaughlin has just come back into the pits for Tower Motorsport in the black and orange car. And Shea Adam is watching that car, another one of the Kiwis. It was a very unexpected pit stop, John. Uh, the crew actually scrambling into life. I was standing next to the Turner Motorsport BMW looking at that, and they showed me the signboard to say that he was coming in. They put a new rear wing on that car, an entire new rear cluster, if you will. And, uh, yeah, Scotty's still sitting in the pit lane. Now he gets moving and heads back out onto the racetrack. So I wonder if maybe they were just trying something aerodynamically or perhaps there was some kind of component failure on the rear wing, as it were. Um, we did also get the number 16 right motorsport Porsche back into the pit lane. The crew was looking at something on the left rear, but it doesn't look like it's that substantial. So I think Ryan Hardwick will stay behind the wheel of that car and go back out for more laps. Now, remember, this session, while running in towards the gloom of Sunset, does not count for any night laps as far as the Rolex is concerned. And what's more important is that tomorrow's night session, which is actually a night session, 
same thing applies. You still have to do your night laps during the Rolex night session on Thursday, assuming that you are a driver who must do their laps, i.e. bronze or silver. Platinum and gold are exempt. So, Shea Adam down there in the pit lane, and she's just spotted a likely interview candidate, so we'll head back to her in just a moment or two. Shea. I do believe that uh, we might be able to speak to Mr. Francois Perotto, because he's standing here staring at the track and my friend, do you mind if I bother you really quickly for an interview? So good to see you again, Francois. You've had so much success in the LMP2 cars. Do you feel like that's going to be the trick to you finally winning the Rolex watch? Ah, well, we'll see. I think you'll be good to have a good race in the first place. It's very different in the U.S., different set of rules, and obviously the local teams have a much yes, better knowledge of what's going on, so we're just taking it step by step. I think there are faster cars than us, but uh, it's good to be here. It's not always the fastest car that wins the race, and you are many times over a world champion, and now with the Mall winner as well. You've brought back one of your Lamal winning compatriots to help you win this race. Do you feel like you have a good group to drive with? Uh, we definitely have a good group for sure. We're a very group, uh, very nice group of friends. Should be fast on the track, but uh, like I said, we'll try and uh, not make any mistake for the first three quarters and uh, let the fast boys do the rest. Hopefully, at the end of the race. You've done this race a couple times now in GT. How different is it to be here in a prototype? Oh, very, very different. I have no breaking markers so far. It's been difficult in the first outing. So uh, I love it. I'm really loving it. It's, uh, yeah, I'm definitely having more fun. I have more experience as well, but driving the LMP2 here is great. But uh, hopefully you'll keep on getting better. Well, we're glad you're here. We'll talk to you a lot throughout the course of the week. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. So there we are. Just coming down to the hour. And no change at the top. Oh no, Tom Blockfest just gone up to second position in the Maya Shank racing car. Behind Brendan Hartley now behind the wheel of the Acura. Two minutes to go, and no improvements last time around. At Ipsa Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with us.
Oh, John, uh, we've got a very slow car going down the pit lane. That's the Reese Ferrari. Now, they had some serious dramas earlier on, not getting as much track running as they wanted. They have been out for the majority of this session with just the driver in the car. There haven't been any other drivers on the pit stand, and Rick Mayer has looked quite busy, so I haven't gone over to uh, interrupt them with what they're doing. But this car came down completely dead stick. I'm wondering if they ran out of fuel uh, as a result as well. Not hearing of any other kind of fueling issues for people up and down the lane. As, oh, that was a semi-comical moment. The 04 uh, CrowdStrike prototype can't find its pit box, and it's a little bit further down. Uh, hopefully they're radioing to him to tell him that he still has to keep going. There we go. Um, but that was a bit of a, a confusing moment for Reese because no crew members are jumping over the wall to assist with that car either. I do spy Ollie Jarvis. So, John, if I could just hold on to this for another quick second, um, because our reigning DPI champion deserves a conversation, and he's wearing the wrong fire suit. Now, you're not Ryan Bial. Um, first off, Ollie Jarvis, welcome back to Daytona. You've won this race a couple of times now. Does it feel any different when you come back through the gates being an overall winner compared to just a GT winner? Just a GT winner, I say. No, it feels exactly the same. It's always nice to get back. Um, I think for me... The special bit is it's not coming in the gate, but it's when you turn the corner and you see the grandstands and you realize how special this place is. It really is. And particularly when this started off, such a momentous year for you last year, does that make last year's win even more meaningful in your book? I think last year was just so important because of where the team was the year before. Um, I wouldn't say expectations were low, but um, you know we'd have been happy with a podium to come away with a win. Um, the biggest race of the year for a team that hadn't won the previous season was was really special and you know to then top it off with a championship and a, a petty Le Mans win was it was an incredible year um, but to be back here again in P2 I'm hoping I can make it the third class win so we'll see you're going for a Harry Tinknell you're trying to win a 24-hour race in every single class that you can yeah I'm, I'm gonna do my best I mean you know, I'm here with a great team. We've got a, a strong lineup, but just looking down the P2 grid, it, it's a seriously competitive year, I have to say. So, there's, I think any one of the cars can win it. It's going to be a case of staying out of trouble, but you're also going to be need to need to be quick. I was talking to a couple of drivers yesterday who said that this not being a championship race for them changes the way that they approach the race. Well, it is a championship race for Era, but for you, this is the only IMSA race on the calendar so far for 2023. Does that put even more importance on it for you? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, every time I come here, it, it's with the same goal, and that's to win. Um, you know, I'm also mindful of the fact that whilst it's only my, my only race with the team, the team are here for the full season. So, you know, I'm brought here to do a job, and that's the, you know, what's best for the team. And, and if we decide or we're in a position where, let's say, we're second or third, and, you know, I'm not going to take unnecessary risks, but that doesn't mean I don't want to walk away with another Rolex. Now, not looking for slander here, but you've got a lot of experience in the WEC P2s, this time driving the IMSA regulation P2. Do you find this car different to drive? Perhaps, I'm not going to say more enjoyable, but I'm just thinking more unregulated. 
To be honest, now it's very similar with the, the regulation change coming into this race. Uh, to be honest, from my side, it, it's a bit disappointing. Disappointing they've reduced the power. I personally think it's unnecessary. Um, it means uh, the speed between ourselves and the P3s is is not a huge amount. I mean, just looking here, you know, you've got a P3 at 42.9, and the slow, you know, P2s are at 41.3, 41.9. Um, personally, I think they've gone too far. You know, we don't need such a large gap between the the LMDH and P2, and plus the LMDHs at this stage are playing. So, you know, I hope. I think it's very unlikely, but I hope they give us a little bit of the power back because I personally think it, it makes P2 more dangerous for ourselves and the P3s because there's very little straight line speed until the very end of the straight, and that creates you know diving on the brake situations. So it's it's a real shame, but you know it goes to show the power that the manufacturers have. Watching all that's coming in with the GTP cars. Are you kind of happy to be in an LMP2? I mean, you have been in a situation before, my friend, at Le Mans, where you almost won it overall in a P2 car until the last, what, 45 minutes. It could happen again. Yeah, I mean, I've heard rumors that reliability is an issue, but, I mean, there's eight, eight cars. You've got to say two of them are going to make it through the race without major issues, I would assume. I'd be very shocked to see a P2 win it, but... Do you know what? If it's going to happen, this is the race it could happen at. You know, 24 hours is is tough on any car, let alone a new car. So we'll see. I mean, I've got to say it would, would be pretty special to see a P2 win it outright. It would be really cool for you as well to get that after coming so close at Le Mans. Daytona would be a little bit more sweet. But then you'd have to come back again. Would, would that count for your winning it in every class if you win it overall twice, just in two different classes? I mean, I'll come back for the next five years if I if I get invited. I mean, it's such a cool race. I was thinking about it. The last three years I've been on the podium. Um, might have been longer. I think it's only the last three. But, you know, I just love this race. It's flat out. It's a, you know, it's a tough race on the car, on the drivers, on the team. And it always comes down to a dogfight at the end. Ollie, thanks for the chat. Good luck. We'll chat with you more next week, I'm sure. Thank you very much. That's Oli Jarvis uh, with Era Motorsport this weekend. The defending uh, GTP, well, no, he was the last DPI champion of that class. The uh, the last one there will ever be. He and Tom Longfist with Meyer Shank Racing. Good to see him back, even if it is in a P2 car. But with Aero Motorsport, a team that also knows how to win this race, having accomplished that back in 2021. I'm going to walk down towards Greasy because I see Miles in the right-hand side of the car. He brought a battery out. He's just behind the wheel of that car. Let me see if I can uh, grab maybe Alessandro Pierguini. He's wearing jeans and street clothes. Let's see if I can get him for a quick chat. Alessandro, do you mind a chat? You're a Daytona winner. You're a Daytona pole sitter. A new car should be a very exciting thing for Risi Competizioni, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is very exciting. We, the car is brand new. We try to do our best, put all together. Now we are starting to do this few laps now. We lost a few times this morning, but when the car is brand new, it's, it's always like this. I'm confident we can do it well. I really would like to be in the winner's circle at the end of the race. I will try. It's not easy, especially when the car is brand new like this. But uh, I'm confident with the team. 
and uh, with Ferrari we, we can do it. You've run so many times with Risi. You've been on the podium so many times with Risi. You've won races with Risi. Is this the family that you want to keep running with in IMSA? Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a shame. They've always been a lot of time second. In the last few years, we missed one step at the end. We will try. I know this race has all the 24 hours very difficult. It's very long. There is a lot of things to do and a lot of things has to do in the right way to be in the winner's circle. We will try. I would like to give to Giuseppe this feeling. He tries since many years. He won everything apart this race. So we will try our best to make him happy. And for Giuseppe especially, he said that he wants to run a hypercar. He wants to be here. You were announced as a hypercar. How cool would it be to come here one day and still drive for Giuseppe? Yeah, it's great. Honestly, it's very, it's great to be part of the hypercar program with Ferrari. Uh, it's so, such a complicated program, but it is nice and uh, a challenging adventure. And as uh, soon we are ready, I think uh, will be time for Giuseppe to try to win this race with a prototype. So now Ferrari finally has the car. Uh, we just uh, miss a bit of time to be ready to be here. Thank you so much for the chat. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. Continuing on back down the pit lane as I continue to see, that was interesting, Alessandro saying that they've missed a bit of time, but it's to be expected, new car, they haven't had it very long, so the teething troubles are to be expected. One car that's not exactly uh, going to be lenient towards teething problems because, John, they don't do learning years, that's Porsche Penske Motorsport. And the number seven's been sitting in the pit lane for quite some time now. Michael Christensen is behind the wheel of this car that he shares with Felipe Nasser and Matt Campbell. Uh, they are cleaning the windshield while the plug is in, so a computer download going on. That also allows them to talk to the car unfiltered and uh, basically privately because the team has box-to-car communication when it's out on track. They also have box-to-car communication when it's plugged in that nobody else could potentially listen to. Scotty McLaughlin is back into the pits as well. He's getting a bit of fuel. And it is starting to get busy down here as the sun is disappearing behind the grandstands. And we are now at a point in time where it will start to get dark. Now, I'm going to see if I can doorstep another person while we've got the opportunity. And uh, it's nice to be able to get these interviews. Danny, do you mind? It's so good to see you back in WeatherTech. And this time it's a full season. Danny Jinkadea with WeatherTech Racing and Mercedes. You guys had such a strong run here last year before a little bit of bad luck. It's the same car. It should be the same. Just get rid of the bad luck, right? Ah, uh, yeah. But I mean, to win this race, to be fair, you need. I mean, to win long races, you always need luck. Um, we know we have a fast car. We have a very good lineup, very good team. Uh, but so do the other seven or eight competitors in our class. So yeah, it's always about minimizing the mistakes and getting to yeah just have a smooth race and especially first 20 hours you know in are usually not so important so you just gotta take care that you have a very very nice and clean car for the last four is this a different race this year because now the car is a full championship effort for you and Jules Gunion for sure it's different because you know, no, no matter what happens, if we, we have some issues at the beginning of the race or whatever, we still, we got to try and finish because we got to score our points. And 
For sure, it's the biggest race of the year, starting the season with that in Daytona in the big Rolex 24. But our focus is also on the underfoot championship. And after a very successful um, European campaign last year and the world uh, IGTC championship, we really want to win in America. And uh, for sure, we're going to focus on scoring the maximum. That's what I was going to ask you. It was such a good year last year with championships in Europe and then the IGTC. Did you want to now check IMSA off that list too? Even before that, uh, that success, I, I got to say, because, you know, I'm very, very surprised it took me so long to find out how cool IMSA is. To be fair, you guys have a, a really amazing product. And I told already AMG midway through last season, I really want to race more in IMSA. And we finally managed to get this deal sorted with, with WeatherTech to, to do a full pro car. And that's, you know, I will always be super thankful to them to, to do, for doing this effort because... I'm really passionate about racing, but uh, really couldn't think of a better place to be this year in. And um, yeah, uh, I can't wait to do the whole season, to be fair. Well, we're glad you're here too, and uh, welcome to IMSA. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, thank you. I love hearing uh, people who have just such raw enthusiasm to come race in North America. One driver I can tell you who has that who is not going to be driving this session is Jules Gunion because he just walked over eating a banana and wearing shorts. So he is definitely not getting into the car in the remainder of this session. Now, continuing down a little bit further, we find Corvette Racing. They are out and running. They had a little bit of drama during that first session, but it wasn't too bad to keep the car back behind the wall, which will please Corvette fans all around the world. And I don't see anybody hanging around, so I'll keep going down the pit lane. Um, but we are now starting to see more and more headlights illuminated on the banking. So this will be the first opportunity for us to get an idea of what these cars, these new cars, the GTP cars, look like when they are running with their headlights. 46 minutes left in this session, which means half an hour for the GTDs, LMP3s, and LMP2s, but it's still 46 minutes for the pro category cars. All right, I've wandered down to Lexus, and if I just hop over the wall, see if we can't get a conversation with some of our friends that we haven't seen yet this year. Hi, Frankie. Do you mind a quick chat? Welcome back to Daytona. Welcome back, Tim. So another full season for you and Aaron Tielitz. But this place, it's a little bit special. What is it about this place that keeps drawing you back? I don't know. I just love this place. You know, it's, it comes down to, like, the banking, the history, everything. And I feel like there's a phenomenal fan base that always comes out. I mean, this is a, basically a, the roar before the 24, and it, the, the infield's packed. So it's pretty special and really cool to see. Do you enjoy driving in every morning and seeing all the campers there, all the boy and the girl scouts who come out to the, this weekend to make it even more special? Yeah, it's very cool to have everyone out here, especially at night, so I can't wait for night practice. And it helps as well that you've got a place to go for a couple of days to get away between the Roar and the Rolex. That's still just a couple of hours. How much does that help you preparing for race week? They are not constantly here dialed in. Yeah, it's definitely nice to be able to have somewhere to go and relax and try to unwind be between stints. We've been talking a lot to Parker, and you guys brought him in, uh, the Canadian Wonder. How much has he been fitting in with you and Aaron? Uh, he fits in very well. Uh, call him, uh, I guess, a little, little bit of the younger brother in the group. He's done so much with Porsche, but Lexus, how have you helped him adapt to this car? Uh, he's been doing great so far. He's a, you know, a great driver, a great fit for the car, especially the team. It's nice also to have everyone fit in the same seat, which is never the case for the Daytona 24 hours. So 
it's uh, it's a big help. That's absolutely unheard of. Now, you guys also brought Kyle Kirkwood back in to be your fourth driver for this race. How cool was it to get him to come on board with you guys? Uh, it's great, and it's another thing. It's like uh, we're all like family, so I feel like we're a, it's a, it's pretty special to have all the drivers click, drive the same, and uh, it really works out well. Well, good luck this week. Enjoy it. But more importantly, good luck next weekend. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. That's, that's Frankie Montecalvo with the Lexus program. Back again for another championship effort, John. Shit, just to uh, give you a quick rundown of what's going on. Nothing has changed at the top. It's still the Conica Minolta Acura uh, ahead of Scott Dixon, who's just put it in the Cadillac. So it's Acura, Cadillac, Acura, Cadillac, BMW, Porsche, Cadillac for the GTP cars. Two seconds between them. Sheldon van der Linde just gone out, as we mentioned earlier. Michael Christensen in the Porsche Penske Motorsport 963. I think that's the first time that he has uh, been out in that car in this weekend. Scott Huffington now behind the wheel of the TDS Racing leading Oringa LMP2 with a 138.7 TF Corsa in second, PR1 Matheson in third, Tower Motorsport with Scott McLaughlin in fourth position in the number eight and in fact Christian Rasmussen's just gone up there in the Aero Motorsport Rasmus Lynn for Andretti then Riley, Fast MD, Sean Creech Motorsport, and then the two, two AWA cars. And in GTD, it's still the GTTs rather than the GTD pros that are quickest. Sun Energy 1, Fabian Schiller back behind the wheel of the 75 car. Then the two Lexus, it's the pro car first, and then the GTD in second. That's uh, 14 and 12. Ben Barnacut and Aaron Taylor. It's John Potter for Magnus Racing. And then Philip Ellis for Winwood Racing. Let's head back down to Shea Adam in the pit lane. Just starting at the other end of the pit lane now, John. So come all the way down to pit in. And there are a couple of big driver changes that are expected here in a moment. For FAF Motorsport, we're going to get Patrick Pile aboard the Platt Porsche. That's fun to say. Uh, Lawrence Vantor jumping out of that one. And then for the Conic Minolta Racing Acura, that is going to have one Ricky Taylor installed. So here it is, actually. The headlights are just barely illuminated as it comes into the pits. That is Brendan Hartley's shiny helmet uh, coming in for that car. And these guys have been a little bit tricky to grab for interviews because they get out of the car, they don't take their helmet off, and they go straight up on the pit box, plug in their helmet, and actually do the debrief through that system so they make sure that everybody can hear very clearly. I understand completely why they do that but uh, it just makes life a little bit more difficult for interviewing people as they're having a bit of fun down here at uh, Wayne Taylor's organization. But I am going to have a little bit of trouble moving further up because there's a bit of traffic congestion now on the pit lane. Um, and I don't see any interview subjects at the moment. Let's see if I can sneak around Wayne Taylor car. Oh, nope, because the actor is coming in. See, it's a very busy pit lane down here. The boxes are only 20 feet big, which means that when cars are coming in and going out, for example, this uh, real team racing Acura, they can't actually get into their box. Racer's Edge, excuse me. So what happened was the driver pulled up, just passed it, almost as if going to parallel park in the spot, and now four crew guys are pulling the car back into its spot, angled out, prepared to leave the box again, but now they need to fix it a little bit more because they are blocking, in essence, their sister car 
when right in front of them, the Zero One Cadillac is sitting patiently in its box. That was a very nice bit of driving by Ashton Harrison to actually stay heads up and realize she wasn't going to make it into the box on that first attempt and make it easier on her crew to then help get the car back into position. I am quite impressed with uh, that decision making. Let's see. The zero one drivers are up top, but they are not currently accessible. We've got Ranger Vanizanda behind the wheel of the zero one Cadillac, where he rightly belongs. The zero two is out on track, and their drivers are not hanging around at the moment. So my journey up the pit lane will continue. Okay. Oh, we've got Frankie Montecalvo in the number 12 Lexus. So from talking to us to being behind the wheel of the car within about three minutes, very impressive. see if any of the heart of racing drivers would venture down. Uh, nope. And the next pit box up is the 24 BMW, which is coming into its box now. As Frankie Montecalvo is leaving, that was about 12 feet apart from a collision, but it is Augusto Farfis getting into the 24. So let's see who's jumping out of that one, and if maybe we can get a chat. John, did you say it was um, Sheldon Vandalin, or, or was he in the 25? Uh, stand by, one moment. He uh, would be uh, in the 25. Yeah, it was Sheldon Vandalin. Just uh, a week off for the Sebastian Alvarez-driven number 43 MRS GT Racing Leisure. That was an outlap. Expect to uh, see some issues from... Uh, people on their outlaps as they are struggling to get heat into the tyres for the GTPs there are two unusually there are two slick tyre compounds for the Rolex 24 under 40 minutes to go Shea Adam in the pits, John Heindorf in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre just starting now to get the shadow stretching in fact, the whole paddock now she is in in shade as uh, this huge structure on the start-finish line cats, cats, casts its shadow across the infield. Where are you now? Uh, back down to about Reese, so still making my way back uh, towards the pit-out area. Well, no, towards the finish. Out? There's a good question. Have Reese been out? Because they weren't out in the last session. Yes, yes, they were out. Remember I said that they had issue where they coasted back into their pit box? Oh, box. yes, that's right. Then talked to Alessandro, and he told us, yeah, it's, it's to be expected. It's a new car. It's having some normal issues. Um, very, very um, honest about that. I appreciate that from him. But, um, no, they have been out. They did go back out, and now they are okay. back in again. So the teething issue is continuing on. Got a little incident at turn three, and that is the 43 car again. But I think that's got going again. So with a bit of luck, three wide on the banking. BMW going to the high side. Uh, excuse me, that's the high-class car going to the high side. The number 20, more white than red this year. Can they please not do that in testing? That makes me really nervous. Ricky Taylor going out for Wayne Taylor. Andretti Autosport in the Conington Minolta Cadillac as we're counting down towards the end of the day. Heading out of the pit lane. 
now. That was the other Acura NSX, actually. Not the graded one, which is in the hands of Catherine Leg at the moment. So that will have been the 93. 93 would be the red Acura. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, I've just good. caught sight of the Era prototype for the first time this weekend, John. It looks nothing like it did last year, which will completely throw us off. It does still have blue and black on it, but now it's got large flashes of yellow and different shades of blue as well. So it looks, um, dare I say it, slightly similar to the two TDS entries, which also have large swaths of bright yellow on both of them. The 11, which will be anchored by bronze driver Stephen Thomas, and the 35, which will be anchored by bronze driver Francois Herault. Those two are full season entries as well. wide again going round the banking this time down in towards the Le Mans chicane heading out of the pit lane the number one BMW and, uh, that has well it was brought in by Corey Lewis is it Corey that's taking out the Paul Miller racing negative car. I saw a driver change going on so we think there was a driver change there so let's see that was actually correct. Still hasn't tripped the outbound. And it is Brian Sellers. Man from just uh, a wheel nuts throw away from Road Atlanta, who is behind the wheel for that. Shea's going to wander down and see if she can find... Just starting to see, she. I noticed that there's one or two people have got their lights on, on their rigs and things like that. So just starting to uh, to make themselves known there. You want to test those too. You don't want to get into night practice on Thursday and then realise that your uh, rig does not actually work because then you don't have any sort of easy identification for your drivers to realise where their pit box is. And I do say you want to make sure your lighting is working. Well, not all of the signs are illuminated. Windward sign, for example, is because it is all backlit. Whereas we have other teams like uh, Cotho, for example, it's just the number panel on the top. But then you want to make sure that the LED lights over the car are working because that'll help you do pit stops in case a wheel nut is dropped or in case something goes wrong during the brake change. It's important to have your pit box illuminated. And we talked about it earlier, John. This track is very well illuminated. It's never really full darkness around the place. It gets really dark in the pit lane if your lights are off, though. You want to make sure you have every possible advantage you can. And that comes into play when teams start dropping out of the race. If your neighbors on either side are no longer running, your pit box tends to get a little bit darker just because the light pollution isn't there from everybody else. It's things that you don't really think about until you get to 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and then all of a sudden, you can't see as well for some reason. It's, um, it's one of those things that you don't know is going to be a problem until it is a problem. All right, into the pit lane comes the right motorsport Porsche. Now, this is a car. Oh, they've got blue in the headlights. A couple of years ago at Le Mans, all of the Porsches ran different colors in the headlights to try and help the teams distinguish which one was which. I saw that the Kelly Moss Porsche, uh, the number 92 it is, that's the one with David Brule and uh, Alec Udell. That car, or was it the 91? Uh, whichever it is, the one with Alec Udell and David Brule, they have 
red in the headlights because red matches the livery. Well, blue matches the livery of the right motorsport Porsche. And as such, the headlights have blue on them as well. I really like the little details when teams go that extra mile to try <laughs> and help with that. Hello to Michael Froggett. Hearing the roar of the cars, listening online whilst making my way home on a Friday evening here in Toronto. Oh, that Toronto traffic. Sheer. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, tell me which road you're on. We could guess which road you're on, <laughs> couldn't we, Sheer? Uh, you're probably on the 401, yeah. if I had to guess. Or maybe you have the misfortune of trying to get north of town on the 400. It is a Friday. Could be going up to cottage country. And it could take you about five hours if you're out of luck. Mm. Share Adam in the pit lane in the Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. It's uh, me, John Heintoff. Good to have your company. So we're winding down into the last 30 minutes or so of track action here at Daytona on this first day of the Raw before the 24. More coming up tomorrow for you. And then, of course, whether you're here in the US or further afield, we have sound and vision of the qualifying will set the grid for this year's Rolex 24 hours of Daytona 61 cars we hope we will still have by Sunday and that uh, they will all take the start a week on Saturday go to imsaradio.com that's where you'll find, oh, big, 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 slidey moment going into turn six. I'll come back to that in a moment. That, once again, is the number 60 car. Simon Pagino now behind the wheel of that car, and he's in behind the Cadillac. They head down towards the Le Mans chicane. Should be coming into it any second now. Has Pagino dropped off? Yes, he has. Yeah, I think that was fairly sensible. It was the 31 wheeling that uh, they were having a bit of a battle going down at the braking area that heads up onto the high banks and a big squirrely slidey sideways moment for Simon Pagino, but he's got that ARX06 pointing back in the right direction. checking to see if there's been any major changes in times but not really uh, oh no Brian Sellers has just done his car's fastest time he said he was on his way out 18th position for them in the number one 149-1 and Jerome Blekemolen for Kelly Moss with Riley in the number 92 992 and very close action now Shea Adam you've got a car coming in I think with uh, now was that in the pit lane that close call Shea was that out on the tri-oval it was in the pit lane yeah. uh, the right motorsport Porsche was in its box Dennis Olsen stayed aboard that car and it was uh, the Rick Ware Racing prototype coming in the LMP2 car and Dennis Olsen was clear to leave when he was not clear, and he very nearly ran into the side, the left-hand side of the 51 Orica. I'm glad that no contact happened. And it took Dennis a couple of seconds to kind of get his breath back and realize that he needed to turn the car back on because he'd stalled. 
uh, before he was able to get moving once again. That's Austin Sindrick, I believe, aboard the 51. Uh, looks like Stars and Stripes helmet. So that would have gotten Austin's attention too, although he would have been hit without knowing what had happened. As the TGM TF Sport Aston Martin is being wheeled behind the wall on dolly jacks. Now that's not something we see every day. Could be just there finished. Oh, yeah, no, it, it very well could be. But normally the cars are on their wheels and they drive back themselves. Ah, good point. I see so what you're seeing. That's strange. Let me have a look at that through the uh, binoculars. Uh, it's got no wheels on. No, exactly. That, so that's why they haven't had to put it up on the dolly jacks. Now, is that an issue or not? We'll see if we can find someone down in TGM. Michael Froggett says, clear ceiling. He's on the 407. Oh, he's cheating. Yeah. He paid for that right. That's the toll road. Good man. Yeah, that gets him round all the issues. Now, all of a sudden, it's gone from a shadow over the paddock to the whole track now in shadows. The sun is diving for the horizon. And uh, see if I can spot who that is. It's just gone out. No, missed him before he got round. The new timing tower, by the way, with the new graphics on it, very bright, very lovely, both of them, one either end of the pit lane. And if you're here at the track listening on 107.9, you'll notice uh, slightly different number colours when they run through. Well, that's because the GTPs, the LMP2s, the LMP3s, the GTDs and the GTD Pros all have slightly different number panels. So uh, white out of black is GTP, white out of blue is LMP2, white out of yellow or orange is LMP3, white out of red is the GTD Pros and white out of green is the GTDs. Still no GTD Pro, by the way, has gone faster than that time set early on by the Sun Energy 1 Mercedes-AMG GT3. Let's uh, go down to the pit lane where Ken Cook has just got out of his car. So I keep pausing because every time I look out through the binoculars or down onto our screens, and thanks to NASCAR Productions, they're running some uh, camera tests here. Just checking things out and they are feeding them to us in the booth but every time I look anywhere on the circuit it does seem as though there's a battle going on and there's one going on there between the wheel and engineering Cadillac and one of the BMWs that is the number 25 the one with the white illuminated nose on the left hand side of the car they're up under the high banks now it's all almost up into the wall by the BMW which is Conor de Filippi behind the wheel of that and it's Jack Aitken in the uh, Cadillac as he got right up close behind now under braking Aitken takes about a car length so, th so through the Le Mans chicane onto the short chute that leads into NASCAR turn 3 much lower line taken by Aitken right in the middle of the road by the BMW this is the two GTPs that are going over the top of the Lexus now into the tri-oval, there's a wee bit of traffic in front of them, headlamps flashing by the BMW driver, Conor De Filippi. Will he get down the inside of the Porsche before turn one? Yes, he will, but Aitken does not, has to lay back. Actually, it wasn't a Porsche, my apologies. But that was a nice move in traffic by Conor De Filippi, showing his experience now down into the international horseshoe, but he's held up. And here comes Jack Aiken. He's right there. They go past the Chetelar Ferrari. Now, I know this is not a race, 
but this is giving us an opportunity to see the relative performance through traffic of these new GTP cars. We've not seen them with GTD cars in any of the tests. They've had LMP2s out for comparative lap times, but this is through traffic. And it looks to me as though the BMW might have just a slight advantage with the twin turbocharged V8 at the initial getaway out of corners or being stuck behind traffic than the normally aspirated Cadillac that sits in behind it. Who's got the top speed? That's another question. Aitken hasn't been called off by the pits, I don't think. As he gains again under braking into, oh, again, three or four cars then in the braking in the Wayland car there. Into the back straight, the Le Mans chicane. And now they're back out onto the high banks again. The laps come thick and fast here. Well, if this is what we're going to be treated to a week on Saturday and Sunday, I'm already impressed. More traffic into the tri-oval yet again. Very different lines being taken by Di Filippi and Jack Aiken. Down into turn one. They're almost together. Got the NTE... Lamborghini, light blue on the left side, dark blue on the right. They're absolutely together as they come down. Are they going to go one either side? Here comes Aiken, round the high side, the left-hand side, and he goes past both of those cars. Now, is he going to get run out on the exit? No, he's not. De Felipe backed out of that one, tried to go down the inside of the NTE Lamborghini, but couldn't make it, and Jack Aiken's gone through. What an interesting couple or three minutes there, with 23 minutes to go, Shea. This is not a race, but there's two young drivers, Conor De Felipe and Jack Aiken, who are treating this as full competition. It puts my blood pressure up a little bit, John. I would rather they wait and do that in the race because- Your blood just... pressure. Can you imagine what Bobby Rahal and the guys at Whelan were like during that? That, yes. Poor, poor, poor guys. Uh, but one guy whose blood pressure is kind of low right now. Although I have to say, you're smiling on the outside, Kenton Cook. That's because you're driving a race car at Daytona with an opportunity to win another watch. When you're behind the wheel, your blood pressure a little bit higher. <laughs> I, it's actually probably the most relaxed I've been coming into a 24. So it's actually really nice to be be around people that I'm familiar with, uh, Walt the engineer, and uh, you know a couple of the guys that are that are working on the car. I'm very familiar with from back when I ran with JDC in 2016 uh, when we won. So uh, that was uh, it, it's it's nice to have some familiar um, yeah familiar people in a tent and driving with some phenomenal guys. You know Mike Skeen and Mick and Max. Like I'm a weak link, <laughs> so. These guys have so much experience, and I'm just going to lean on them with everything that I got to make sure I get everything out of this Mercedes. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah the Korthoff guys have, have put put in a good effort for for a good uh, good year. So, fingers crossed. This Mercedes, uh, in particular, it's the GT3 car. You did a lot of driving. Well, not a lot. You did five races last year in the GT4 car with Marilla Racing. You won two of them, and you were on pole for two of them. How much does the GT4 and the GT3 translate to one another? Uh, most of the thing, obviously, all the switches are pretty similar. Um, so, jumping in the car felt like home. Um, but the way they drive, obviously, the, uh, the the GT3 has quite a bit more downforce, a little lighter. Uh, so, as you would expect, it gets off the corner, it stops, it turns. You know, it just it does the lap time just in a different way. So, uh, it's it's easy to drive, uh, just like the the GT4 car is. So, uh, that that helps me. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a fun one to drive around Daytona.
It's the endurance program for you with Cawthorf this year, right? But you've got a very exciting GT4 program coming up as well in another series. Driving a BMW over there. Does the Mercedes feel more like home now that you're coming back to it after having driven it for a year? Oh, man. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they're both both front engine, um, so they're, they've got that in common. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, driving driving any race car, I'm, I'm extremely grateful for. So, and, yeah, really fortunate to be with the random Vandals guys there. Uh, and we're going to be doing some GS races as well. So, yeah, we're going to do that in Sebring. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be sweet. They're, they're like, coming up and trying to, to do more races and stuff this year in the pro side. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to join them and, you know, if we win some races next year. You've done this race as a spotter before. How has that past helped you become a better driver? Honestly, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, the thing that helps with that side is obviously when you're communicating with the spotters, um, you know, knowing what you want, knowing what you want from a, as a driver and uh, and as a spotter, uh, it's it's uh, I would say it's probably going to be easier on the driving side because I won't be up for 24 hours straight. Uh, so that that's going to be one thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it can't it can't hurt. But the guys that we have up top right now are, are actually really good. So uh, we we've haven't said anything. It's like yep, yeah, you're you're good. Just keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Kenton. Good luck to you guys and the whole team. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Share Adam with Ken Cook in the pit lane. We're inside the last 20 minutes. And we're in the gloaming now. The sun is no longer having an effect. The lights on the infield, certainly up and down the pit lane in the awnings. And even people moving around in their cars on the infield. So... Time is it now? 17:40. Let's keep an eye on uh, one of the 963s for a little bit. Just going out onto turn one and two. Great to see Porsche back in the top class. Uh, only one Porsche has been out. <laughs> Well, one's done a, a lap. And so, oh, and misses the back straight chicane as well, the number six. And uh, that is uh, Mathieu Jaminé on an out lap. Cold tyres, I'm thinking there. Um, he's up right up on the wall in that red and white machine with the pinstripes. Now that headlight arrangement is very easily recognisable. Uh, pit speed violation will get a, on the way out as well by Mathieu Chamonix. He'll get him a warning. Now let's see if he can do a complete lap. Down through turn one, down through the gearbox, over the transition, through turn two. Now heading down towards the braking area. Oh, and he gets past. Uh, I'm told by some of the drivers they could be 20-2-0 seconds slower on an outlap than a quote-unquote proper lap. And Jamine is not up to speed right now. And in fact, that was the number 20 high-class car that went past him like he was chained to a post. So Jamine really struggling. Through goes the BMW. I think that's the number 24. 
Augusto Farfus. It isn't cold on the track surface. 28 Celsius is 82 Fahrenheit. So I think they may have a problem there. They see they've not done a flying lap in that uh, number six car. Shea Adam is making her way down there. And it has not been an easy session then. They're sitting solidly 61st in that. Now, we did notice that earlier on, but uh, we wanted to get through some of the other teams with the interviews, which she has been working hard with. 107.9 here at the circuit, RS2 around the world, of course. In radio. Here comes the 24. Farfus across the line. Underneath my feet. Down towards turn one. I love the way that these cars sound different. Absolutely fabulous. So if you're at the track here, just rounding the International Horseshoe. Oh! <laughs> Entering from stage left, a Mercedes I was not expecting to see. I think it's fair, I'm sure Augusto Farpas wasn't either the uh, number 32 team caught off motorsports machine and been off at the International Horseshoe and then came back on on the hard standing at the exit uh, of that corner. Um, let me go back to my thought about the two BMWs. The 24 car, which is Farpas, just going over the top of the number 70 McLaren at the moment through far side the west end of the circuit and heading down to the Le Mans chicane red white and blue fantastic of course no illumination on the nostrils the 25 has white illumination on one side of the nostrils and that's how you can tell them apart in the dark I think um, 24 might have a little bit of red on it we can't quite see that at the moment as it comes back towards us, let's get the uh, the binos on it. Difficult to see with the brightness of the headlights at the moment. Simon Pagano is out of Maya Shank Racing's number 60, and Elio Castro Nevis will finish off the session the last 14 or 15 minutes. There was uh, an improvement for Simon about 10 minutes ago, Ryan DL's just put the fastest lap in for Aero Motorsports number 18 and Shea Adam is down at uh, Porsche Team Penske, the six has come and gone, any new Shea? Uh, no, they came in, they plugged in, they unplugged and they went, so no discernible uh, issue with that car well time to ask I think Start waving your hands. They've done no laps in this session, and that outlap did not look to be smooth at all. So, an eye for more improvements. Joao Barbosa goes faster for. Sean Crease Motorsport and actually moves up into second position behind Andretti's number 36 car in LMP3. That's going to be a good battle all week. 
uh, next week. As their fight for LMP3 honours. Into the pits for the WeatherTech AMG. Shea Adam is uh, down there and 79 trying to get out at the moment, Shea. Yeah, it's Kipper McNeil behind the wheel. They refueled the car. He was perfectly positioned in his box, but because the LMP2 machine right in front of him, Proton Competition number 55, pulled into the box at a weird angle, and then the 7 Porsche came in right behind him. Now, this is the one I think, John, that's been having the issues, uh, if I am so correct, not the 6, right? Uh, correct, yeah. the 7. All right, yeah, all right, I'll ask uh, No, seven. no, sorry. No, no, it's the 6. Oh, the it six is. is. The 6 hasn't done a full flying lap yet. Ah, it's okay. done some out and ins, but that's it. I sorry. will do some digging on that. Um, but because the 7 Porsche came in right behind him, it then completely trapped Cooper McNeil in his box, and it took a very Austin Powers-like sketch to try and move the Mercedes forward and back and forward and back and forward and back and then forward once again to finally be able to get out onto the racetrack. It was a very frustrating maneuver where they lost about two minutes worth of track time that Cooper McNeil really wanted with only the GTP and the GTD Pro cars on the circuit. Oh, the six is coming back in. All right, I might be able uh, to get you an answer. Let me stand back from it because it is still electrified and the light on the dashboard. Oh, no, it is green. That means it is safe to be around. Always want to observe that. If you see blue, that means do not touch. Do not get anywhere near. Um, let's see. They're going to work. And they put the car up onto the air jacks. Um, let's see if I can wave and get someone's attention, uh, John, and see if I can get you an answer. Thanks, Shit. My Shit does that. We have. Uh, why is that green? No, we're still under green. For a, a moment, I thought we'd gone uh, red flag. I don't think that is the situation. Just under 11 minutes to go. As we count down towards the end of the day. Here's the 25 BMW going underneath us. And that was the engine that you heard. That's the big V8. Being pressed into service in endurance racing. Last time it was racing, that engine, or the, a version of it, was in the DTM golden era with the V8 engines. Slapped a couple of turbos onto it thrown it into the back of the new BMW M Hybrid V8. In fairness, I suspect there was sl some slightly more technical things went on than I just described, and it probably took rather a longer time to properly engineer that. Porsche's engine has its roots in the Porsche Penske DHL-sponsored Spider, and therefore the Porsche 918 road car, uh, when it was... Uh, 3.6 V8 being brought board out a little bit and now just over 4 litres and that with 2 turbos on it as well the Cadillac is the other V8 that's the biggest capacity engine but that's normally aspirated the smallest capacity engine is the Acura it's the highest revving engine as well it's a V6 2.6 litres turbocharged that revving up to around about 9,200 revs and off at the exit of the Le Mans chicane for Conor de Filippi, just misjudged the exit there, throws up a bit of dirt, but immediately pulls back onto the racing line. And Shea Adam has been doing some investigating down at Porsche Penske. 
with Dame Cameron. Uh, Dame, your car hasn't turned very many laps at all during this session. What's been going on? Uh, just a couple of random little things, uh, not related, but saw something strange in the front of the car, so we had to kind of precautionary make a component change up in the front, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what just happened here, but um, yeah, it's a shame to have a bit of an interrupted session, but uh, the morning was, was not too bad, so uh, it's only the roar, still a long way to go. With 13 and a half hours of uh, practice before the green flag actually comes out for the Rolex, does that make you feel a little bit better about maybe losing a session or a half a one? Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been obviously doing this for a year now, running these cars, so uh, I don't think anything earth-shattering really that we're going to learn over the next, as you say, 12, 13 hours that's going to change our world. We're, we're more just trying to polish everything up and making sure that we're ready to go. So uh, it detracts a little bit from that time and um, from that standpoint, but I think we'll be ready to go once we iron out a few little creases here and there. But yeah, like I said, our big focus for this week, as it always is when it comes to the roar, is just making sure you're ready to go, driver changes, systems, all that kind of stuff. So it's obviously a lot of new procedures involved with these hybrid cars. So trying to nail all that stuff down and um, yeah, cover off any avenues where things can go wrong. So we're, as everybody is in these GTP cars, we're learning uh, you know, by the minute. Are these problems that you guys have seen before in Autofix? Uh, these are new, new ones today, <laughs> as they always are. But um, yeah, I don't think there's any, uh, there's no showstoppers at this point. So yeah, it's, uh, as you've seen from these cars, they're still a little bit temperamental and some days they don't really want to run so well and other days they run like a top so um yeah you're never quite sure what to expect a little bit so i think the race is going to be certainly pretty unpredictable because um you know when things start to get stable you really kind of know where the weaknesses are and this and that but i think across the category and uh, all the brands you're still seeing people encounter different things for the very first time so um yeah i think we're in for certainly one of the most competitive but also uh unpredictable top level races we've seen for some time it's a baptism of fire for everyone, then, uh, if that's going to be the case. And I just heard something uh, launch behind us on pure hyperpower, so that's a good sign. But for you, in particular, it's been a year, mostly, of testing and simulators and all that stuff. How ready are you to get back to racing? Yeah, airplanes and, uh, and all the rest. So, yeah, I'm excited. It was uh, a little strange to only do a handful of races. And not, not to be here in the IMSA paddock for the first time in uh, more than a decade it was pretty weird, to be honest. But... Um, I'm really, really happy to be back, happy to be here this weekend, uh, excited to be a part of this Porsche Vensky program, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm certainly ready to go racing, I haven't done a race since Le Mans, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm itching to get some stints in the race, and uh, I'll feel a lot better after that, but um, yeah, it's really exciting times here, and I think we're all uh, excited for it, and happy to be a part of it. We're really happy you're back, Dane, it's been too long, uh, good luck for the rest of the Roar, and we'll see you at the Rolex. Thanks so much. Uh, and share most of the cars in the pit lane now, but we shouldn't worry about that because we've been inside the last 15 minutes for a while. So this now <laughs> belongs to GTP, correct? Correct. GTP and GTD Pro. Every other car must vacate the track. So I believe that is black number panel and red number panel. Um, but it's really confusing because the way I do my homework, I believe GTP is red and GTD Pro is green. So it just conflicts with my brain. So apologies if I got the number panels wrong. No, no, you got them absolutely, uh, absolutely right. And if you need to know, Shay, just look at the big... Uh, Scoring towers because they cycle to through. I can't see them from the pit lane though, John. Oh, can you not? No, there's too many tents and stuff in the way, and uh, I would have to move to a very dangerous position in order to see them. So, <laughs> what, like on the grass? Yeah. Well, you never want to walk on the grass. That is no. sacred grass. I respect that grass. It's like the yard of bricks. It um, is. Yeah. So, yeah, I would never go on to the uh, trioval portion of things, but that's okay because enough teams are kind to have TVs that are facing the pit lane. Ah. So, uh, so some of them have scoring, some of them have pro 
programming, but it means that I can keep up with what's going on as I venture down the pit lane looking for interviews. Share Adam down the pit lane. We'll try and get somebody from Cunningham and Older Acura at the end of this session. Uh, their best of a 135.2 does not look to be under threat at the moment. Going to be a 10-minute hold at the start of the next session for the MRS GT number 43. Two checkered flags. Oh, dear. That is uh, a little bad. That was Sebastian Alvarez who was behind the wheel there. So showing his inexperience or just having far too much fun um, to not come around. Surprised. I'm surprised that we that the team didn't shout to him as well. We've got quite a few rookies uh, this year, Shea, in the field uh, getting on towards 50. There are 41 IMSA rookies, and I think it was 47. Might have been 48, actually, because we did have a driver change today. Uh, rookies to this race as a whole. So that is more than a quarter of the field. It's quite unusual. Proving, though, that the, the guys... Um, at IMSA are attracting new competition. Shea, who was the who was the driver change today? Uh, that would be no James French and um, yes to another Canadian. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, apologies for that, but that was in an LMP3 car. I want to say. Um, I just noticed. Oh no, it was Fast MD. It was uh, the 87 Fast MD prototype. So James French, the 2017 winner, removed from that lineup. And uh, Antonio Saravani, I think it was. Um, you might have to check me on that, John. He was added to the car. I suspect there'll be some more changes. He's coming from. He's coming from uh, Indy Lights. That young man. Uh, and Indy, which is now Indy NXT, of course. Um, if they're going to do away with fouls, surely it should be I-N. It should be N-D-Y NXT. Uh, we've seen that in other sports, of course. At, uh, we have uh, WWF, don't we, NXT as well. For a while, the fashion house in the UK, Next, had an NXT brand as well. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been able to shop there. Did you see all my work clothes there at one stage when they were rather smart, to be honest? So coming down to the last two minutes, our thanks to... Everyone here at Daytona for a very busy day today. Shea Adam and John Hindhoff in tandem today. Check imsaradio.com for our schedule tomorrow. Thank you for keeping us going with all of your tweets on at imsaradio. Tim Gray has been doing the hard work back over and up in London. And the responsible adult, of course, Eve Hewitt, without whom we're not allowed to travel. We just can't do anything because we can't get insurance and of course our colleagues up in Charlotte who have been superb once again 
really now seeing the headlights taking effect in the last 70 seconds or so. And it's two Acuras that are atop the time because Elio Castroneves has just vaulted to the top. Now, Shea was making her way down to Cudinka Minolta Acura, but they are in the same area, 135-210, a tenth of a second. Elio Castroneves has nicked it away right at the very end. That was his last time by. He's got one more lap. Glowing brake discs at the front of the number 10 as it goes through the Le Mans chicane. The chequered flag will be out as they come around. He might get one more, actually. 28 seconds. Here he comes off the high banks. He will. His split times this time are not bad. Also going faster last time around. Michael Christensen has put the best time in for the number seven portion. Now, that was a couple of seconds away for Elio. Christensen did a 136-1. That Porsche in sixth position, the number six car with all kinds of problems today. As the number six, in fact, gets a decent lap for Mathieu Jaminé right at the end. But that car's in single figures for laps in this session. Whereas uh, I, I can't imagine, they've, I don't think they've done more than three flying laps. They've done a couple of out, round and back, slowly. So Castro Neves, was that a charge lap? And is he back on it again as they head towards the end? 139.001 by Jaminet, and he's backed that up with a 37.031 last time around. Oh, yeah, Elio's on it in the middle sector. 44.4, that's the fastest middle sector of all. It will be checkered flag for Elio and... Next time around, Ricky Taylor's trying a quick one too, as he has one more. And here comes Ricky through turn four. Elio is a little further back round the circuit. He's just going through the International Horseshoe now, but he's got traffic. Elio's got traffic. Here comes Ricky. He's coming to the line. Don't think he's going to improve. He's got a 35-3 to his name. And as he goes through... No, that was a 36. Oh, 35 for Christensen, though. 135-9. So Elio Castro Neves has taken the chequered flag, so it's only going to be the Cadillac of Jack Aiken. So we can say, Shea Adam, that it is Elio Castro Neves who was quickest in this session. And I presume you're down at Shank Racing waiting... Uh, for him to come back, but maybe we can have a chat with somebody else on the team. I am at their pit box. Uh, they have a very cool new pit box, by the way, and a very sturdy-looking sort of ceiling top level to be able to go up on. Um, so I can run up there and grab uh, maybe Simon or Tom if they're up top. Would you like that, John, or would, do you want me to wait for Elio? I'll, I'll take anybody you want to talk to, to be honest. Okay. Elio's going to be a little while because he's coming around on the slow and down line. Uh, all right, well, I'm climbing up this new structure because it seems pretty cool to uh, come up here. Ah, Colin! Let's, uh, let's interrupt Colin for a quick sec. Do you mind if I bother you? Hey, you're used to being fast around here. Clearly, Elio likes to go fast around here, too. Were you expecting to see that kind of time at the end of this session? Well, you know, I think, obviously, the conditions are good. We saw a lot of fast times there at the end with the sun. And I think the biggest thing is just the lack of traffic right now. Um, you know, 61 cars, man, it's hard to get a clear lap for sure. So, But, yeah, I mean, Elio's done a great job, obviously. Um, 
you know, this whole group's done a really good job. Proud of these guys and just uh, working through our, our program. This place, the traffic, you mentioned it, I have to ask, is it really as bad as it looks? Because if it's anything like the pit lane, I can't imagine what it is on the circuit. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, especially in these GTP cars, the closing rates in the banking and even in the infield on the straightaways is, is, is a lot. So, you know, understanding what that looks like from our seats, I'm sure the guys on the other side of it and the slower cars, uh, you know, have to understand what that looks like too. You know, finding that cadence when they see us in the mirrors, when we're going by, when we're not. Um, definitely been you know eye-opening for i think for all of us and we're you know figuring it out which is why we're doing this uh week before the race well colin i know you guys won't be celebrating anything yet but uh two sessions and two p1 so far not too bad yeah it's not bad we're proud of these guys keep it up colin brown down there at um, uh, shank racing with, with curb agajanian and you can't be too far away here adam from Elio. <laughs> And he has a new helmet, John, that has the traditional marks on it that it's always had. But instead of the red striping, it's pink. It matches ah, this car. I nice. love it. He's just gotten out of the, the car. I'll give him a second to take his gloves off. And he's going to look at the timing screen and see that uh, it was P1. And by exactly how much, I'm sure that'll put a smile on his face. Just over a tenth. Just over a tenth. Mike Shank is there to give him a quick little fist bump and uh, to debrief with him. And uh, his co-driver is coming down off the top of the, the perch, as it were. But as I said, John, it's not, um, it's not anything to win these test sessions necessarily, but two sessions so far and two sessions where you've been quickest, that's going to put a little spring in their step. They're going to be happier going to dinner tonight. 34 laps completed in that session. I think the most was the BMW number 24 of 42 laps. Although one of the... Oh, no, we've had a 44 from one of the GTD cars. That was uh, the uh, number 12 Lexus, the GTD car. So plenty of data with the whole field, apart from that number six Porsche, getting plenty of laps. It's only credited as seven laps, and I think only three of those were flying laps. So let's get back down to share. Adam? See if I can interrupt Elio, you just can't help but be P1, can you? <laughs> no, this is all about uh, uh, Team Acura, to be honest, uh, and special Meyershank Racing. These guys uh, uh, basically uh, did everything. Uh, it's been a long process. And I think everyone here in the paddock, especially with the GTP boys, um, probably understand what I'm saying because everyone has been, you know, trying and pushing and uh, understanding. Uh, for me, it was just uh, out there and uh, luck of a draw to be the last one here. So... Um, but, hey, I'll take it. It was a good lap, um, but we still keep working hard. You're both good, and you seem to be lucky quite often. Uh, how do you keep <laughs> making that happen? Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I got to put myself in the right position, you know. And, uh, but for sure, again, I, this is nothing. It's all about, uh, you know, Tom, uh, Collins, and Simon, and, and especially the engineer of uh, Meyer Shank Racing and Acura. Uh, they've been working really hard. And, uh, but, again, we keep it going. Uh, this is just the first day. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Shit, Adam down in the pit lane. My Shank Racing have, I suppose you could say, done their job the best of the GTPs today. Top both of the sessions. The second Acura uh, was second. That's the Koninka uh, Minolta Acura. Then it was the two Cadillacs, or two of the three Cadillacs, should I say. Uh, the uh, Chip Ganassi run cars, 0-1 and 0-2. 
all within a second. And indeed, so was Michael Christensen's Porsche Penske Motorsports 963, just uh, nine and a half tenths back in sixth position. Then it was Augusto Farfus for Team RLL in the 24 BMW. Jack Aiken for Wheel and Engineering Cadillac uh, and Mathieu Jaminier for Pensha, Penske uh, and for Porsche. As far as P2 is concerned, it was TDS that led the field. In LMP3, Andretti Autosport uh, were at the top. And Sun Energy 1 put an early fast time in for GTD in their 15-minute solo session that not even the GTD pros could beat at the end of the session. By the way, the GTD pro leader at the end was the Vassa Sullivan number 14. A busy, busy day here on Fast Friday. We have Super Saturday coming up. Check imsaradio.com for our on-air times. And don't forget, you can listen in on 107.9 here at the track. From everyone here at IMSA, at Daytona International Speedway, and, of course, at IMSA Radio. Have a very good evening. Bye-bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.